You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Thank God they won that freaking game. Welcome to this Instant Reaction Edition of the Evan Roberts podcast, the Nets beat the Charlotte Hornets 117-115 in a game in which when Kimball Walker hit, take one of your picks of the threes he hit in the final six or seven minutes of this game. Never for a second, I think they fell behind by eight in the final three and a half minutes. Never for a second did I think they were going to come back, survive, and win this basketball game. Never did I think for a second that a Tony Parker turnover, because the Nets could not get a stop, and when they did get a stop, Charlotte would get a second-chance opportunity, usually because of Cody Zeller. Luckily, he fouled out of this freaking game. But never for a second did I think the Nets were going to be able to survive and come back and win this basketball game, and we all know why they won this game. They won this game because of D'Angelo Russell. And every moment that goes by, every game that goes by, we are reminded that maybe we have a star on our hands because this was a star performance by D'Angelo Russell. And it wasn't just, oh, he scored 40. He went 40-7. and No, 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 no. It's what this gentleman did in the final few minutes of this game. I think my favorite, was it the three that put them up by two? Was it the three that pulled them within one? Or was it the floater in which it looked like he wasn't even taking a shot? It wasn't the floater. It looked like he wasn't even taking a shot. It looked like he was just trying to sell a foul. Of course he didn't get the call. The Nets had a lot of calls go against them in this game. I'll get to a few of those. And somehow he flips it in. This was a virtuoso, 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 a virtuoso performance by D'Angelo Russell. And even though when the Nets were up by two and there was about a seven-second different shot clock to game clock, I would prefer D'Angelo Russell take it to the basket. I'd prefer because the Hornets were switching all night. It felt like all the time Russell was being defended by a guy that he could easily beat. Usually Marvin Williams was on him defensively. It was always switching by this Charlotte team. I would have preferred Russell try to take it in the lane, put up a floater as opposed to a really long three. But how can I question this guy? The guy was hitting everything. This was a superstar performance by D'Angelo Russell. And it wasn't only a superstar performance because he scored 40. They needed this freaking game. They needed this freaking game. You know, sometimes I don't know if I'm going to do a podcast after the game. I think I even told my wife like seconds after this game ended, I said, I'm not doing a podcast. That's what I told her. I'm not doing it. But then 
the emotion started to build as this wind was sinking into my head, and I said, F it, I'm going to do a podcast. When they're up by 19, and I did feel comfortable. See, that's what's wrong with me. I did feel comfortable when they were up by 19 with about three and a half minutes to go because every time the Hornets made a run in this game, the Nets would answer. When they pulled it within six, uh, late in the, actually early in the third quarter, because here's what happened. Here's what was so weird about this game. I mean, I think we all know it. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably watched the game. But they come out in the third quarter. They force a turnover right out of the gate. Joe Harris, I think, hit a three. I even think Travion Graham hit a three. They have it back up by 19. And the Hornets made a run almost immediately to cut it within six or seven. And the Nets, again, put the lead back up to 14-15. Every time the Hornets made a run, it seemed like the Nets were going to respond. And that stopped between the bridge of the third and fourth quarter when Tony Parker hit a mid-range jump shot to tie it. I think he hit another one to give him the lead. But I actually felt good through the first three quarters of this game. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the idea that Charlotte played last night. How are they going to have the energy in the fourth quarter of this game, a game in which they had to work so hard to come back in? How are they going to win this game? And also, I think the Nets are better. I think they're a more talented team. But when Charlotte took the lead and then it got to two and it got to four and every possession for the Nets felt like surgery and they couldn't make a stop. And then when they would make a stop, you know, freaking Cody Zeller, who had how many how many rebounds did he have in this game? Bridges, too. How many big offensive rebounds did Miles Bridges have? And he got into foul trouble, and Zeller got into foul trouble, and eventually was out of this game. So every time they would finally make a stop, Charlotte would get two out of it anyway. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist actually hit a three in this game. Kemba Walker was starting to get real hot after he was shut down in the first quarter of this game, first half of this game. So when Charlotte made it six and eventually eight, and Kemba hit a couple of threes. I never thought this team was going to have the fight to get back into it. And they did. And I give them a lot of credit. Even though this season has kind of been marked with all of these great wins and comebacks, it, it just it feels different recently. It feels negative recently because they just haven't played that well since the Dinwiddie injury. The facts are the facts. You know, the Portland game, and I did a podcast driving home right after that, and I was disappointed, but I think I explained it there. Look, Portland's a better team. You know, they lost to a better basketball team. It was frustrating the way they lost, that it were bigs like Ennis, Cantor, and Jukic um, that were killing them, Nurkic, I should say, as opposed to the guards of C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard because I thought Russell did a really good job defensively on Damian Lillard. And that's the other thing about D'Angelo. I got to give him a lot of credit. The numbers, the stats, the threes, the 40-point games – And obviously the clutch performance, that's going to be the obvious stuff. That's the stuff you can see on SportsCenter, right? Or NBA TV. This guy has gotten so much better defensively. Look what he has done against some of the elite point guards in the league. I give him a lot of credit for what they did against Damian Lillard and at times tonight against Kemba Walker. He is really blossoming into an all-around, all-star caliber player. But this Charlotte Hornet team, this game in Charlotte, I know the Hornets have been great at home. They've been a disaster on the road. This is a game they had to have for a myriad of reasons. 
We know about the tiebreak situation. Now they're 2-1 and one against them. They can win the season series next week in Brooklyn, Friday night. We know about the fact the net lead over Charlotte is down to just a measly one game. We also know they had a 19-point lead in this game, but also the way they've played. You know, me as a fan, I'm losing confidence. These guys as humans would probably, you would think, be losing confidence, especially if they lost this game. And this is a stretch of time in which the Nets have to take advantage of the schedule. And they've got to beat the teams that are close to them, like Charlotte, like Miami, down the road, Detroit. They've got to beat these teams. We all know about what's in front of them in the middle of March with that eight-game road trip, a road trip that, you know, what's the best-case scenario on that eight-game road trip? The best-case scenario is probably three and five, let's be honest. So you want to go into that trip with some kind of cushion. They gave themselves, at least for the next couple of days, a little bit of a cushion by beating the Charlotte team. They're two games up. They have a great chance to take that tiebreaker Friday night. And tiebreakers are going to be incredibly important because as you start to break down these standings, you're going to want to have that cushion of, hey, finishing a tie, you finish ahead. Now, let me get to the last play of this game because that's going to be the lasting image. We all saw the official put his arm up to call a foul. I mean, that's obvious. Now, I don't know what the hell happened because his arm clearly went up before the clock hit zero. And by the way, tell me if you weren't thinking this. When D'Angelo misses the long three and Charlotte gets the rebound, seven seconds to go, something like that, and the clock doesn't start. <laughs> First of all, are we not all getting flashbacks to what happened in Brooklyn in that crazy game they played last month? But that's number one. Number two, because Kemba started taking the ball up court when Borrego called the timeout, obviously they have to inbound the ball in their own backcourt. And sick me hated this and hated it after they gave the foul with four seconds to go. Now, why did sick me hate it? Sick me hated it because I knew the last shot Charlotte was going to attempt because of the time left on the clock and where the ball was being inbounded was going to be a three. Obviously, they just didn't have enough time to set up any kind of play. And if Charlotte ties the game and this game goes to overtime, hey, considering the way the Nets have played in overtime, I'd have a little bit of a confidence they can win the game anyway, especially with Charlotte having played last night. Not that I would have been like, oh, great, it's overtime, but... It wouldn't have been end of the world if the game went to overtime. So because of the fact they had to impound the ball in their own backcourt, and you know they're taking a three, which means, hey, game's ending one way or the other. Either he's hitting a three and the Nets lose, or he's missing a three and the Nets win. That actually gave me that sick feeling. I mean, I, did anyone else think that? Because I certainly did. And so after they give the foul, Kemba Walker is about to put up a three. Karis Levert it makes contact with him or the basketball. You really can't tell in live time. You see the arm go up, and now there's this confusion. You're waiting to see what the hell happened. And I'm just living on Ryan Rucco's every word. Am I put, are they calling a foul? Is Kemba Walker going to get three free throws down two with less than a second to go? Oh, my God. Then you're begging for overtime at that point. And I hear Ruko say, no, nah, game's over. I mean, he said it with obviously a lot more excitement, but the yeah. oh, game's over. Nets win. And even then, I didn't believe him. 
No offense, Ryan, if you're listening. I, I like Ryan Rucco. I did not believe him. I needed more certainty that the game was over. And I started irrationally telling the television, get out of there. And by get out of there, I meant all the nets. Just get off the court. Get the hell out of there before they can change their mind. Now, looking at the replay, I didn't think it was a foul. And I'm pretty honest about this stuff. Because even if it was a foul, let's say it was a foul. The reason why I wouldn't even feel bad at all is because there were two pivotal calls that went against the Nets in the fourth quarter of this game. Number one, the goal 10 that was called on D'Angelo Russell. That was not a goal 10. That's number one. Number two, the block by Jared Allen of, I'm trying to remember who, I think it was of Cody Zeller before he fouled out, was a clean block. Officials missed both of, both of those. And by the way, even if those calls didn't go against the Nets, okay, this is going to be me fanboying right now, and I don't really care. I have no proof on this, but I think I'm right. I believe more calls have gone against the Nets than for them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody can study the two-minute reports of this entire season, but it does feel like more calls have gone against the Nets than have gone for the Nets. So I don't really care. But end of the day, that wasn't a foul. It was more the imagery of the official sticking his arm up to make you think he was going to call a foul and buy, oh my God, can you imagine if they lost that way? Because Kemba Walker's making all three free throws. He's clutch. He's a good free throw shooter. No way they lose that game. And I don't think there would have been really any time left. You know, maybe less than a second. They did have a timeout, Brooklyn. So I don't know what type of play they could have drawn up, but that would have been a horrific, horrific way to lose. And instead they won couple of thoughts, because I'm not going to go too much longer on this. Uh, I got to hand it to Kenny Atkinson. After the mistakes that he made in the Portland game, he corrected them in this game against Charlotte. He went to Rodion's Karutz. He did it in the first quarter. I'd say about halfway through the first quarter, and he gave him a spark. That's the only time we saw him in the first half of this game. But Rodion's Karutz at this point in his career, I am not suggesting he should start for this team. Not with them being healthier. And I do like Levert and Russell starting, by the way. I've been thinking about it. I think they can play perfectly together. I know at times Karras disappears, but he is getting to the basket. He had a couple of threes in this game, which is a good sign. So I'm good with them starting. I'm good with Rodion's coming off the bench, but he's got to come off the bench. He's got to play, unlike the Portland game. I think we could have saw more of him in the first first half of this game. But all right, it's a step up. And how about the other step up? No... Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Wow. How about that one? And I don't mean to bury, bury the poor. And no Jared Dudley, too. Two guys that at times, at times, because I do mean this with so much peace and love, at times can be very difficult to watch playing the quote-unquote stretch four position. Both of those guys played 0.0 minutes of time today. We saw a little bit of Damare at the four. We saw a little bit of Rodion's Karutz at the four, but we didn't see a lot of Karutz. We saw the five minutes in the first half and another four minutes and change in the second half of this game. We saw Damare Carroll do Damare Carroll things, which I love. We actually saw Travion Graham hit a couple of shots, which was nice to see. And as bad as Rondé Hollis Jefferson is at the basket, and he's the worst outside of Tyreek Evans. He's the worst, second worst. How good is Joe Harris around the basket? Joe Harris, knock on wood, never misses around the basket. So to go along with the fact that he made three threes tonight, 
He continues to be automatic around the basket. Thank God they won this game. Oh, I got a headache. I got a headache. They got three home games coming up. San Antonio Monday night, Washington Wednesday, Charlotte Friday. I should say, hey, give me two out of three, I'd be happy. You're two games above 500 going into that Saturday night game against Miami. But you know what? How about this crazy idea? How about they win all freaking three games? How about that crazy idea? And by the way, on a side note, the Bulls are not bad. I'm just saying that because I I watched a little bit of them the other night against Orlando. And tonight on a back-to-back, they're just beating the daylights out of the big, bad Boston Celtics. So I'm impressed by Chicago. That's just my side note. Anyhow, I got to go take a nap. That game was emotionally tiring. Thank you for listening to this instant reaction edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. We got a few scheduled podcasts coming up. You know what? I'll give you one of them. Later next week, I'd say it will drop. That's the term for when a podcast is posted. Late Thursday afternoon, we will be dropping the Mets off-season reaction podcast. Uh, if you check the archives, me, Sal Licata, who works now at WFAN, and a man affectionately known as Adam Eaton, a uh, very good friend of mine and diehard Met fan, recorded a podcast previewing the Met offseason, giving you our thoughts on what they should do, what we hope they would do, what we would be pleased with if they do, what they better not do. Well, obviously, the offseason is pretty much complete, so we will come back and analyze what we wanted, what didn't happen or may have happened, and how we feel about what the Mets did during this offseason. So that will drop later Thursday afternoon. And, of course, you never know when an instant reaction podcast will pop up like this one. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Bye now.